glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite movies, horror movies from the 1980s and early 1990s. Welcome back. It's been a while, but not much has changed here at the gory days. We've been watching a lot of fun movies and getting them ready to post them here on the podcast. And I'm excited to see all of you out there have been following us on Instagram and Twitter. It's always exciting to see a small following going for something that everyone should love, frankly. The camp, the wonderful stories, the movie monsters, the makeup effects, the talent that goes into making these 80s horror movies and some early 1990s horror movies like the one that we're talking about today. But before we get into any of that, I have a guest here that once again also hasn't been here in a while. I think he hasn't been here since the first episode, which was Pumpkinhead. That's right. Yeah. Um, Our seminal episode, our maiden voyage. Uh, You may or may not remember him, but here is... No, you remember me. Here he is. Mike Holyland, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, ever since that first episode, my... uh fame has, has gone to my head i'll say that i think that was back in october of uh last year right on halloween was when we tried to release that right right people are stopping me in the streets as soon as i say something hey you're the pumpkin head guy you're the pumpkin head guy you're the yeah. guy who talked about the movie pumpkin head <laughs> yes it's me like so then i i sign a quick autograph and then that's really nice of you. So you're yeah. not the kind of person that uh, isn't above everyone no, no, else. No, no, I'll sign. I'll sign. You know, unless I'm like really busy or something. I still, I've been living here for almost uh, two years, and I still haven't run into anybody on the street, like mm-hmm. anyone famous. I haven't recognized anyone, and I worked in Beverly Hills for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Well, no, I saw Larry David once, but it was like a he was supposed to be there. So it was... wait, where? Uh, he was like a Starbucks. No, no, this was like uh, I was just happened to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame when he was like unveiling a star for. His, oh, was it Ted Danson or Ted Danson's wife? I don't want to know something like that. Larry David was unveiling Ted Danson's star. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Or, or maybe his wife. I don't quote me on this. <laughs> Miss Danson. Miss Danson. I don't yes. know about uh, yeah. Ted Danson's wife's right. uh, filmography or no. TV proclivity, I but okay. Don't Okay, cool. Yeah. You were on Hollywood Boulevard and you just happened to see that? Yeah. That's funny because something else on Hollywood Boulevard relating to stars. I'm sure you heard about the Trump star getting defaced. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and then the uh, Russian soldier showing up to protect it. No, I haven't heard about that. Oh, yeah. That was was like a satire. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That these two, I think, like, you know, a number of people dressed in full Russian gear set up like flags and like, uh, you know, police (laughs) tape and we're like, we are protecting this, which is pretty great. That's good. Yeah. Um, so what have you been up to? I mean, good God, it's so hot out, and I don't know if it's ever going to cool yeah. down. There was, like, that weekend Global of... warming's real, man. It really... God, yeah. it's like... It was 113 degrees. It's insane, but this isn't the show where we talk about the no, weather. This no, is the show not. where we talk about horror movies. Right. So remind me, what's your relationship to horror? Did you watch a movie too young, or... Um, no, I've just... So, previously, on the gory days... <laughs> Uh, I'm a big fan of, of good stories, and a lot of horror movies, unfortunately, don't have that. Some do. Some totally do. That's right. But, uh, yeah, some are like, meh. Yeah, so for you, it comes down to story. So, like, I don't know, elaborate on that. Are there good horror stories and bad horror stories, and what makes them for you, personally? Yeah, so um, it's, 
I feel like if, if there's a good moral out, out of the story, I feel like there's, you know, if I, if I come out of it changed in some way, like, oh, this is, this is fantastic, uh, then that's a good story. That's something to look forward to. Uh, personally speaking, I don't know. It's like I've been in the the time since the last episode and today uh i've been studying like screenwriting and things just like you know as a hobby and sure. there was a book that i read that mentioned uh the difference between in a character's internal need and their external need that the external need is all plot driven and that you know it's like we need to get the the MacGuffin before the villain can, you know, we have to get the, you know, the talisman before the bad guys can or whatever, <clears throat> or we have to get the map off the back of the, te- uh, uh, declaration of independence. Right. It doesn't matter, but it's external and it doesn't really feed into anything that the main character just like personally needs to realize the internal need is like, well, yeah, they need to go get that uh, MacGuffin or whatever, but what they really need to realize is that they are capable of doing this all by themselves. It was and they inside them all along. That's exactly yeah. it. It's that. It's like, you know, in the movie when the all is lost moment happens and the hero's like, oh, no, I'm never going to get the thing. And it's like, well, the thing you needed was inside you all yeah. along. And it sounds campy. Dorothy was but- right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds campy, but like yeah, hearing no, it on... That makes a really good movie, to well, be honest. The yeah. reason is that it's because... Until the hero can realize their internal need, they will never be able to uh, achieve that external need. It's only when they realize after that all is lost moment that it's like I have the power within me that now they're free to beat the villain, you know, unencumbered. Yeah, um, that's that's oh, that's one thing I really like is the character growth. Like if you see the movie and it's kind of like oh the same people are. Yeah, the beginning and the end. It's kind of like okay, but I feel like that's something that doesn't appear in horror because not, not so much. Well, no. because a lot of the time the protagonists are going to die. There isn't going to be like a growth or anything. There isn't something for someone to re- uh, uh, better themselves with. Pumpkinhead is a rare example where the father does, you know, in a roundabout way, learn a lesson yeah, about exactly. revenge and right. wishing, you know, ill will on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one today this that we're talking about, not, not at all. no, I don't think anybody really learns anything except yeah. for maybe the villain, but he doesn't really get to do anything with it. I don't, we learned that, uh, bats are creepy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so do you remember what like the first horror movie you watched was? I was asked uh, that the other day and I couldn't remember. I don't really remember, but it was the one that's strongest in my mind, uh, from the earlier one is, um, actually two scream is probably the first one. I saw. Oh, Oh, that's a fun one to watch because yeah. that's kind of like a meta one right, that tries right. to yeah, uh, yeah. unwrap other slasher movies. So Which I didn't get the reference. I, I can imagine. So. <laughs> Must have been confusing. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the other one that like really scared me as a child was, uh, I think, Halloween or the Mike Myers one. Sorry, did you hear that? Yeah, it was some creaking. Is that like yeah. door creaking? Or, uh, <laughs> so the Halloween Mike Myers? Yeah. <coughs> Michael Myers? Michael Myers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not the Canadian actor. <laughs> people have been making jokes about that for so long honestly it's like i think they appeared at the same time mike myers on snl or uh second city and uh michael myers in the 88 horror movies but um did you see they're making another one no no no. yeah there was a new po- uh, new uh trailer i don't know if it was at comic-con or before i think it was before comic-con but uh yeah it's a new trailer that has jamie lee curtis in it again and it's hilarious it's supposed to be a direct sequel to the original halloween oh. so it's supposed to be like erasing all like the other movies right that came out exactly oh, okay uh well like i think it's like 20 or 30 years have passed but okay. it's still the same movie and it's the same jamie lee curtis and it's the same everything but it's called halloween mm-hmm. so now officially the official chronology of the film goes 
Halloween from 1988, and then Halloween from 2018. Ah, nothing in between. No, you just watch Halloween and then Halloween. It's not Halloween 2, and they really do erase, like... Honestly, I don't know how far you got into this series, but... I just watched the first one. There's, like, psychic... movie's perfect. Yeah, there's, like, psychic powers and, like, a little girl, and it just gets totally crazy by uh, Halloween 4 and then... Halloween H2O, where, you know, it's Halloween 20 years later, uh, was a mess, and yeah, uh, it was a mess of a franchise, but, um, <clears throat> so as far as Gory Days news, uh, I recently went to the Midsummer, sorry, Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, uh, I'd never been to a horror podcast, or a horror convention or anything like that before, but it was pretty cool, um, what was your favorite part? Well, uh, uh, Sorry to put I'll, you on the I'll get there. I'll get there. It's just like generally there were. I'm, I had. I wrote down some things, and I'm going to try to remember some of the things that I noticed. And specifically, the one thing that jumps out to me is that uh, a lot of people were in costume, like any convention. I don't know. Have you ever been to a con? I don't think so. Like even like a I don't know a tech conference or anything like that. Just like where there's a big warehouse full yep. of exhibitors. Hmm. The people don't dress up for tech conferences, right? But you've been to a thing like sure, that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So for the listener, if you've never been to anything like this before, uh, um, an organization will rent out a convention center, which essentially is just several connected enormous halls uh, with some theaters and maybe some smaller conference rooms. But the main event is always the exhibitor hall. And for this one at the Long Beach Convention Center, they separated two uh, halls. One was all dark and, you know, only lit by black lights and lasers and smoke. And it was just like really uh, it was it was where they had all of their like mazes and many uh, things like that, which I don't do. I don't yeah. like the mazes. Do you have you ever been to like not scary farm? Yeah, yeah, I've done, I've done those mazes. Uh, yeah, not, not, not you've done yeah. them. Sure. Like by yourself or with a group? No, no, with uh, with a group of my friends. uh, uh, I think we did in high school. I've never done it. It is all all the cool kids were doing it. uh, It's just too scary for me. But that was something else I learned. Is like not scary farm was a huge uh, uh, exhibitor there. They had this big centerpiece, and I guess the entire thing was hosted by uh, Six Flags. Has a version of uh, not scary farm. It's like Scream Fest or something like that. Uh, Universal has one. Hollywood Horror Nights. Um, They all happen around the same time, uh, around Halloween time, but. Lots of people in costumes, and a lot of people... There's two kinds of people in costumes there. Well, there's three kinds of people. There's people like me who are not in costume. There's people who are in costume and are just there to, you know, smile and say hi to and take pictures and look at things. And then there's other people in costume who are, like, practicing to be at Not Scary Farm or, like, in character. Oh, my God, it's so annoying where they're, like... Like, someone's dressed as a zombie, and they're in full zombie mode. And they're just, like... <laughs> And like there's there's the people with. Dude, I'm just trying to ask some questions. Oh my god! I almost like yelled at one of them yeah. just because I was hungry and I was like trying to get somewhere and they were just in my way. And another thing um, that is bizarre. So they had uh, Krampus walking around. Uh, oh, um, Krampus is like based on a. It's a folklore thing that's like a, a an option, uh, like an antithesis to Santa Claus. Okay. Where it's like if you're a good boy, Santa Claus gives you you know gifts and things. But if you're a bad boy, Krampus kidnaps you and eats you. Uh, from like German folklore kind of thing, and it was made into a horror comedy uh last year or a couple years ago comedy okay yeah so uh there's this guy on stilts uh dressed as this big scary santa claus looking thing krampus and he had this is why i can't tell if he was hired by the event or whatever because he had a mixture of what looked i had to imagine were just kids just children and little people dressed as scary uh elves 
mm-hmm. like, you know, running around him and in near him and like sneaking up on people and standing behind people and creeping them out. And I felt really bad because it was like, well, these are little people and they're using the fact that they're little people f- to scare me. And at one point, I th- so there's them and there's other regular little people who are just here attending the event mm-hmm. that like I turned and there was like like a family and I I was startled because just of their height oh, and I realized this is exactly why you don't use little people to be scary by being little like they're using their the fact that they're not in my normal they eye line to scare me and and these other people oh, are man, just people that is awkward and for a second yeah I experienced like that microcosm of like oh this is yeah this is why little people uh, how did little people become the politically correct term that, that sounds more offensive to does me it than... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's I'm, oh god like, they... <laughs> no I think it is yeah but, but like was there a convention and then they're like we gotta go with this, this yeah is... there might be a union like yeah. a jesse jackson representative who's like this oh well for a second there i almost made it offensive if i was a short statured individual i think i would rather be called a dwarf than a no, dwarf i think so dwarf sounds like mythical or something that's what i'm saying it makes yeah. you sound like the other no that makes i think that makes you sound like a different species of person like a well, sub person cool, <laughs> like lord of the rings <laughs> epic i think it's still called dwarfism because there's sure. giantism and dwarfism right. but i i don't know i think it, i think it's like you know gender identity it mm-hmm. just comes down to the individual and how they choose to identify mm-hmm. as a little person. Because once again, it's like, yeah, no, I'm just a person who happens to be little, like, right. yeah, or okay, diminutive, yeah. What about like a short statured individual? Yeah, it's like calling someone. It's like, oh, a black guy. It's like, well, is that important or is he a guy? Is he mm-hmm. just a human being? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't mean to make this into like a political <laughs> yeah. soapbox, but. So that was interesting. A lot of people in costumes and the people like, uh, like you know, a zombie doll girl who's just going to stand in the middle of the floor and be as motionless as possible because that's creepy. Like ring, yeah, yeah, exactly. And one that, honestly, I saw him multiple times and he just pissed me off every time I saw him was this... Um, rotund gentleman uh who had again i don't know what that means oh a round heavy set um who had the body of uh, danny devito so those people need to get together no god no that's not what i'm saying that's not why he made me mad (laughs) what made me mad was not his body shape but it is important for the stories because what he was dressed as was like a combo he was like a crossover between the penguin from tim burton's uh batman returns with danny devito uh so he had like that costume body, but it was with the color scheme and uh, makeup and everything of Pennywise the Clown. Okay. Um, old Pennywise, not the new one, but like the Tim Curry one. And he would just, I found him all over the place. And what he would do is he would just kind of find a pillar to stand up against and hold his little balloon and just stare straight ahead mm. and just stare straight ahead. And no one would really interact with him. And he would just stand there and I would go somewhere else and I would come back and he would still be there. And I was just like, why do you pay money to come to these things? Like, people aren't even taking pictures of him. Is, is he a paid uh, actor? <laughs> I assume no. Because so he, he had a wristband to, thing. Oh, it just stand there. That's, yeah. That's well, I mean, it's a performance piece. That's, that's kind of true. A, it's just, like, I guess there's people who... Because that's something that I've always found hard for me at Comic-Con and uh, cons in general is I really do want to dress up. Mm-hmm. But if I do, I want to be respectful to who I'm dressed up as. So it's mm-hmm. like, I like to be in character mm-hmm. if I'm going to be a character. Right. So it's like, if I'm dressed as, you know, Nightwing, I'm not going to be doing, uh, like, <laughs> I was going to say cartwheels, but that's probably something Nightwing would do. He was an acrobat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to be doing things 
that, you know, if I was a, a big giant monster, I'm not going to be seen playing a uh, boggle on my phone or something like that. I want to be in the zone, which is funny because I resent them when I see <laughs> them walking around. I'm like, geez, get over yourself. Um, so, yeah, that was an experience. Uh, what were some of the other things uh, I remembered? Yeah, a lot of kids, mm -hmm. a lot of kids of all ages, mm -hmm. like itty bitty babies, toddlers, like grade school kids. And you could see that they were on various levels of comfort, like with this horror thing. I don't know. Did you ever like my experience with that is going to like Blockbuster and very trepidatiously walking through the horror section and looking at all the boxes and things like that or like going to the Halloween store and tiptoeing through the masks and looking at all the scary masks and things like that mm -hmm. I loved being near it but I was terrified of it and if my parents tried to throw me into it I, I don't think I would have enjoyed that did you have any kind of experience with that as a kid um I, I definitely um like the the, the box of Chucky Oh, for some reason you uh, liked it? No, no, no. I'm saying like when I was walking through Blockbuster when I was a kid. Yeah, the Chucky box would always kind of like he was always looking at me weird, you know? Yeah, no. Uh, but, but apart from that, uh, wasn't like that's the only one I could think of. I was like, uh, I don't want to go through that. But, I just wonder uh, if I'm the only one that experienced it, or if it's like you know a universal thing of being like really interested, but like from. 50 yards away and something that you're terrified of. Like I have a memory of being in a waiting room somewhere as a kid and there being an ad for Freddy versus Jason on like the newspaper and me just like staring at it and studying it from literally like two seats away and uh, just being obsessed with it. Yeah. So the people who, f who find that uh, the most scary are actually the ones who enjoy it the most. Uh, they've done some studies on it and the oh. more fear you feel that the, the more you enjoy it. And that's kind of the, the kick. What studies? What do you mean? Um, I forgot the, let's listen to some, uh, I guess the, uh, Penn Jillette podcast and he brought on this, uh, uh, this PhD who was like an expert in, uh, she was studying people with various levels of, uh, psychopathic tendencies Ooh. and she got into like, what, what is fear and why? People are attracted to it in some ways, and the people who are most scared of uh, like scary movies are the ones who are into it the most. Did, kind of a, did they say why in their um, study? Why they thought? Might have. I don't remember. Okay, I guess science. I don't know. Like that conclusion. I don't know. Is science expected to come up with a conclusion for the results, or Sometimes. is that for artistic interpretation? I mean, there's like, you know, there's, oh, there's a strong correlation, and then like, oh, what's the hypothesis for this? Or yeah. What's, uh, like, why is this happening? But Well, that's interesting, because like, you know, I can imagine why somebody who loves being afraid mm -hmm. seeks out horror, but uh, it's like, how do you know that when you're a person, when you're like a young person, you just know, like... <laughs> Like, I don't like being afraid. I'm trying mm -hmm. to imagine, like, some, a, a person who's, like, the inverse of me, where I don't like being spooked and, like, jump out and, like, going, yeah. ah, and then, ha, 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 Which those endorphins exactly and laughing. Like no, what I like is the, like, unnerving, and this is something I realized when I was at the convention yesterday, is, like, a lot of the things at the convention represent just 
things that are amazing about horror and I have an appreciation and respect mm-hmm. for it, but it's not why I personally uh, come to horror. And what I refer to is like at the convention, most of the people there are either um, artists making like posters or t-shirts based mm-hmm. on their favorite things. Sure. But there are also makeup artists there mm-hmm. who are like teaching classes and like honestly really impressive full body like alien women uh standing there like that they, that they're actively working on and people can come by and like ask questions and things and uh costumes props just like you know these amazing uh is, is that happening with you or just me uh i don't know okay no worries uh uh yeah props uh these like photo well, not photorealistic but honestly like you're standing there and it looks like a person mm-hmm. um and like like they had a chucky doll they had uh three versions of it at one of these uh booths they had uh chucky as he appears like pristine out of the box mm-hmm. chucky from like bride of chucky when he's all scarred and messed up and things mm-hmm. and then like charred to a crisp chucky from the end of the first one um yeah so uh for me what I like about horror isn't, like I said, I can appreciate all of the work that goes into all of those things, but what I like about it is not the creature effects and not the, you know, makeup and how uh, well it looks. It's the psychological horror of it. It's like that horror, in my mind, is a genre that can examine things about the human condition mm-hmm. that i wonder about and you know muse about and think about writing my own stories about you know like what would a father what lengths would a father go to to protect his son or protect his family like what would he really do to himself or maybe his fellow man or it's like what would what would we what would any of us do if faced with a survival like you know apocalypse world it doesn't even have to be zombies just like you know what would you do when society breaks down that's that's what i like about horror is examining you know the things that we dystopic part of it yeah yeah just because like we are as a people can just wrapped up in this contract that we all sign every day and there's no like yeah there are laws to keep Mm -hmm. us from doing like purge yeah like (laughs) obviously reprehensible or terrible things but i'm talking about just like and not common courtesy like not the things that we do to keep each other healthy but just like I don't know. I can't think of any examples. I don't want to break any laws, but I just don't want... There are just some moments where it's like, uh, why am I respecting this person? Like, they're they're clearly trying to get my money. Or why am I still talking to them even though, like... I don't know. You don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. You're probably never going to see that person again. But why do I have to do these social contract things mm-hmm. if they don't benefit them and they don't benefit me and yeah, none of and we, we play this game? Like like standing in an elevator and like making small talk with the person in the elevator. I hate that. But when oh, people do is, it to me, is that the proper etiquette? <laughs> I thought you were supposed to just like stand there and look at your number until it gets. It's funny what I do. What I've done for years is uh, like I, I I try to subvert this the con the social contract mm-hmm. and I look up when i go into an elevator right. whether we're going up or down no, i look straight up that's yeah. what i do okay and then stare at the, the little number thingy and go mm, yeah finally my turn <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically yeah um but yeah some people occasionally you know will chat you up they'll ask you know like how's your day going or if they see anything in your hands they'll comment on that mm-hmm. um and i will respond in kind and i guess it's to avoid awkwardness right. which which is the biggest you know, consequence to not following this contract, but, um, yeah. 
Um, anyway, so uh, it was really fun going to the con, and I even managed to come out of my shell and interview some people. Nice. So over the next few episodes, I'll be splicing them in during the break, um, just for people that, that are interested in finding. Like, I met somebody who makes masks. I met somebody who makes T-shirts. Somebody who does uh, like suspended animation bugs, which was really mm. cool. She mentioned cool. that she has to boil the bugs first and then put them in this epoxy solution, and that's then pretty metal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I, I was, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was extreme. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Any other ideas or anything on cons or horror groups of people or hordes? No. Um, I think I want to check it out maybe next time. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do something. Yeah, Midsummer Scream in uh, Long Beach. And then uh, Scare LA is another one that everyone was talking about that I've never heard of or been to. But ideally, I'll probably be going to a lot of them now. Cool. Um, yeah, it was really cool. But without further ado, we should talk about the movie that we, we should, watched we today. Should, we really should. We've been putting that off. Yeah, we really have. So this movie came out in October of 1990, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift. Mm, so I'm guessing this is, well, okay, obviously it's before uh, Halloween because that's October 31st. But Oh, like before the movie Halloween or before? No, no, no. The... I'm, I'm saying like they're targeting yeah yeah gotcha. it was like the week the weekend before halloween it was a friday friday october 26 1990 a great time to release a horror movie right. um yeah uh which is funny because uh brad Dourif, uh makes an appearance in this movie he's the uh exterminator um and he's also chucky uh in child's play really he's, he's charles lee ray wow. um and so he showed up in child's play 2 in november a couple oh just the, a month after this so popular yeah wild time to be brad duriff mm -hmm. uh seriously um so like i said it was released in october of 1990 with a budget of ten million five hundred thousand dollars so a lot of the movies that we've done leading up to this usually have much 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 smaller budgets mm -hmm. and so that was something i was trepidatious about when we started this is like uh-oh did i pick too good a movie so most of the movies that we uh talk about on here have much 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 smaller budgets typically being more indie oriented uh this one was very different 10 million dollars uh with uh actors like let's see what was the name david andrews uh steven mocked brad Dourif, like we said who was hot off of child's play so he couldn't have been cheap at the time mm -hmm. um especially he's basically like a cameo in this movie with uh how much you know he he does and says and influences the plot uh, but I thought that was interesting. Hmm. And uh, I did have another movie that it released against, Jacob's Ladder with uh, Tim Robbins. Oh. Okay. Did you ever see that? No. Me neither, but I've heard a lot of really yeah, good things really about good it. Yeah, i heard really good things about it. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be another one of those like psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and lastly, uh, The Stand re-released uh, in May earlier this year. So it was... Stephen King was hot on the mind of a lot of people. Hmm. And Hollywood has this history of like ebb and flow it's like this sign graph with uh is that it is that a no, that's thing? Yeah, okay yeah, yeah. it's like a sign graph with uh, i'm trying to be <laughs> trying to introduce more uh, uh math, math. things <laughs> math. uh it's it's like a sign graph of uh people being into stephen king and then just completely forgetting that he exists for a few years and right now we're in an upswing stephen mm. king is on top of the freaking world it. it just yeah. came out J uh, molly's game or was it gerald's game one of those two was on netflix yeah he's got the the gunslinger the gunslinger movie uh and um uh, castle rock mm. just started just premiered last week on uh, hulu the second episode i think was on there with bill skarsgård taking place in the 
uh, fictional town of Castle Rock, Maine, that uh, Stephen King references in a lot of his books, like, including this one. Like, 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 including this name, one. Yeah, yeah Jane uh, mentions that she's from Castle Rock, mm-hmm. which is a fun nod, and this movie takes place in Maine. All the license plates have Maine on it. Uh, Stephen King is wont to do. In fact, it was filmed in uh, three locations in Maine, in Harmony, the city of Harmony, Banger, and Corina, Maine, which I found fascinating for them to film on location. It's, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's becoming less common these days when the soundstage is so much more reliable and forgiving and cheap. Yeah, exactly. When you don't have to worry about, you know, keeping locals away or making sure it's not raining and all of that crap. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably having to do a lot of ADR and things in post when you're filming outside and stuff. So, like I said, this is based on a Stephen King short story, but it was actually released under his pen name, his nom de plume, Richard Bachman. He has Mm -hmm. a pseudonym that he released uh, a lot of his books, including Thinner and this one, Graveyard Shift. Mm -hmm. So it's fun because the movie opens with a mill, the Bachman Mill. Named after Richard ah, Bachman. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's really it's uh you know fun that way. So I don't know. Did you want to talk about anything else about like you know the history of the context before we get into the recap for things? I I did read like the Wikipedia bit, and it's apparently like the first uh, textile mill in the United States. Or something really? Like something like that. I, I this is Wikipedia, so it could have been uh, just uh, what what was this particular mill that they filmed at? I think so. Wow, that's cool. So. That was in Harmony. Yeah, I could be making this up. but <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia is usually pretty good about that. Um, cool. So the first textile mill. That's great. That answers a question that I didn't know is, what the heck mill is this? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're making. It's textiles. Mm-hmm. What are textiles? Uh, it's, you get a bunch of cotton. You make some fabric stuff. Is that it? And I it just makes so. clothes? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, that's what we see is like, um, and that's the cool thing that I like about uh, movies and books and all of that is like these authors or these uh, writers will really dive into a world that mm. I have no, I literally don't know anything about. I didn't even know right. it was textiles. But it's so cool in that first opening, you know, B-roll of like seeing all the threads going through, seeing the machines that make, uh, that turn the like wool, raw wool into uh, thread and things. Um, and I just imagined reading the short story and Stephen King, you know, going into vast detail about what this is like because, you know, he does the research and that's world building. So that was really cool in those first few moments. Um, and then we pan down to see uh, like the it's not the basement. It's like uh, they call it what, what is he calls it. That machine is called something. Yeah, it's what actually turns the big giant burlap sacks full of just loose wool into fine threads, and it's got is these it big wool teeth. Or cotton? Or is it cotton? Yeah, I think it's cotton. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. way more sense because um, there weren't any sheep or anything right. anywhere. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, down below the you know main textile mill is this giant monster of a machine with teeth that you just toss wool into, and cotton. it cotton. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) You toss cotton into and it does the job for you. And we meet who I thought was going to be our antagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't even have a name, but he's down there talking to the rats and abusing them. And uh, there's this one moment in the beginning uh, that there's something that I want to hammer on uh, throughout this movie is that for me, horror and scares and gross out things, less is more. And so, like, this very first moment where the guy uh, is, like, mad and he he hits the – he looks at the temperature and he sees it's 100 degrees and he's like, god damn. And he hits the post and there's a nail sticking Mm -hmm. out there. Oh, my god. I, like, cringed and I shouted out loud. And I was like – that was, like, within three minutes of the movie starting. And I thought to myself, 
oh, I love little things like that, tiny stuff. Um, like, at some point later, there's, like, a, a woman who falls downstairs and she's, like, paralyzed because she, like, broke her neck or something and the rats start pooling around her and I was I was freaking out because I was like, oh, my God, she's going to be eaten slowly to death by this thing. But then the big monster, you know, scoops her up and gives her a nice quick death anyway. So I was disappointed by that. But I was more surprised about how clumsily she fell. Oh, like, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> well, was she wearing like heels or something? I don't, I don't remember. Know. This place but, is falling apart, yeah. too. Um, so anyway, uh, this guy has like a relationship with the rats, a bad one. And he mm -hmm. throws one into the thing like just, he does it all the time. Just to show them what they're capable of. Just to teach them a lesson. Yeah, these sentient rats but i thought like how does he not get fired like blood right it's gonna mess meat. up the entire cotton exactly thing. <laughs> like i'd have to imagine it ruins the yeah. machine yeah, yeah. if a rat falls in like, there it's now just dyed red the whole thing exactly and it's full of like you know bubonic plague like yeah. crap um it, it was really funny because when he when i when they show him down there with all the rats my mind went oh he's there to make sure rats don't fall in there and he's the yeah, one tossing no, that's his job <laughs> And then, um, you know, someone sneaks up on him and he thinks it's the foreman, but then he gets eaten by, ooh, we don't know what. Um, and uh, so my goal going forward is to make sure that these recaps stay nice and tight. Mm -hmm. So uh, help me out here. Let's sure. see. After he dies, we get the main story that is this drifter has rolled into town and he needs a job. College don't, boy. Yeah, college boy. We don't really know much about him except that everyone in town makes fun of him mm -hmm. for being a good-looking guy and probably smart. So he tries to get a job at the mill, and that's where he meets the, uh, God, womanizing uh, monster Warwick. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Warwick or just Warwick. Although in one scene, Mr. Foreman. <laughs> Mr. Foreman, uh, played by Stephen Macht, um, who I don't recognize from anything. Maybe maybe you all do. Maybe older listeners out there recognize him from something. Um, but yeah, so uh, before that, though, we saw Brad Dourif flushing out um, some rats into the river uh, gleefully just to establish that, you know, he's the exterminator. And um, so, long story short, the foreman gives the new guy the job, and he starts working. Um, let's see, what's the, what's the, I got the deaths here, I want to make sure I hit those. So, one day, the foreman overhears one of the, uh, his employees mocking him to the other co-workers, mm -hmm. and he's doing an impression, and uh, he's like, oh, bravo, yeah. and yeah. comes over, and uh, he tells him that, uh, he needs help cleaning the basement, mm -hmm. which is this place that the foreman paid this other guy off to say some inspector, inspector, came, yeah. inspector came by and said, no one can come down here. This is unsafe. Mm -hmm. And the foreman gave him 200 bucks and said, mm, just forget about it. Mm -hmm. So now the foreman sends everyone he hates into the cellar, into the basement to clean this. Honestly, it looks like a job that will never be done. There's yeah, so, so much. Dirty, yeah. I don't want There's just chairs. There's like a hundred wooden chairs. It's so big, And like too. a desk, and it goes on for like miles, and it's wet. It's constantly wet. Right. Um, yeah, uh, so anyway, he sends... Uh, and this was kind of weird. He said it's a fire hazard, even though it's like damp <laughs> and wet. I don't know how anything could set, <laughs> yeah. catch on fire down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's like the, the like wine cellar when they go even further down, but I'm getting ahead of myself because... The, the guy doing impressions, his punishment is to go down to the cellar where, sure enough, he gets eaten by the beast that we see, which I don't know if you noticed, but what he does is he's, like, you know, messing with this mass of what looks like, you know, more cotton and things, and then like the wing opens up. Mm -hmm. He's messing, he's, like, touching the, the bat mm -hmm. rat thing. So the monster in the movie is... <laughs> 
it's like a combination of a giant rat with a giant bat. Uh, I think it just might be a giant bat. They but it definitely like got rats. a rat tail. Okay, that's right, that's right. Well, do bats have... They don't have long tails okay. like that. Okay. You know, right. like wormy, yeah. big, long yeah. tails. Okay. Prehensile things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it's not really explained at all. Nothing. If yeah. on, it, it, honestly, I, if it would be better if it was just a rat. Because the bat part make makes no yeah. sense at all. And um, so, anyway, the, the guy making the impression dies. He gets, like, suffocated by the leathery wings or something. Like, or eaten. But I thought that was or cool. Or he gets dragged underwater. And that, oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because the bat also swims. Yep. That rat swims. Because rats swim, I guess. They do yeah. do that. And we do see a lot of footage of that, despite the thing at the end saying that no animals were harmed. It seemed like a lot of rats were harmed. Cause, um, um, maybe not. Maybe. Well, because uh, the, 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 so the drifter is uh, John Hall, played by David Andrews. And he abuses the rats. When he, like, the first night he's down there, so the movie's called Graveyard Shift because the, the basement room that he has to work in with this giant teeth machine is so hot that they have to do it during 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. The graveyard Ooh. shift. Roll credits. Um, so one day while he's down there, he sees some rats and he takes out Diet Pepsi. It's like product, product placement. Yeah. Seriously, I don't when know. Are you trying to get rats out of your basement? Why would, Diet Pepsi. Why would Diet Pepsi approve that? <laughs> I don't like, know if they have. Uh, like to show off. Like, I don't know if it helped them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he uses a slingshot and he's really good with yeah. like Full cans of soda. What's weird is that in his first day, he brings that in. Yeah, he had like a bag of sodas. Like, he knew, well, I'm going to get thirsty. (laughs) And he brought the slingshot. That's right. So, yeah, he's lost. I'm assuming that's his first day. Maybe he had a day before that. We didn't see. That's true. Where he was like, ah, I really wish I had my slingshot and some soda cans. That would really make the time fly. Um, so, uh, it's funny, it's worth mentioning that, uh, the graveyard shift idea of, you know, working all night and just, you know, trying to survive the night, it's like, well, I need money, the, the universal thing of like, well, you're probably in a really bad place, so you're willing to do, you know, whatever it takes to make some money, makes me think of Five Nights at Freddy's, and I have to wonder if, uh, Scott Cawthorn, is that his name, Coth. Cawthon? Cawthorn? Never saw it. Something like that. Oh, it's a video game. Um, and I have to wonder if, uh, you know, he uh, wasn't referencing or, you know, influenced by this in particular, but by that idea, because I feel like it's it's common. I definitely wouldn't ever want to work a graveyard shift. Yeah, it's, it's weird that um, we don't really know what he's running away from. It's clear that uh, John, what's his name, John Hall is, like, running away from town to town. He was a cook in Florida. He mm-hmm. was some other things. But we never find out. We never find out what's... Like, he could be a murderer, for right. all we know. Yeah, we he doesn't seem like it, yeah, but... He, was pre- he prevented some violence. Yeah. All that. But the best murderers don't seem like yeah. it. <laughs> um, so then uh, he has a, a... John Hall has a small conversation with the Exterminator, played by Brad Dourif, who reveals that he's a, uh, a war veteran from a Vietnam. Vietnam. He's a Vietnam vet, and uh, he might not have come back completely there because uh, he describes. I don't know if this is real because Stephen King has this history of taking, you know, like one nugget of fact history and using that to expand it into, you know, a world of fantasy and horror. And it's possible that he's saying, you know, this is how this veteran remembers it. That's true. That's true. He's definitely not a reliable narrator at all. So what he explains is that the Viet Cong had this uh, tactic of using rats to. Torture, was it just death? for torture? I think because so. it sounded like he was like reward. He said like they would use them and then they would do it for a reward for a nice warm meal. What would that be? Try oh, American warm mail. Thank you. Whatever. Yes. Yes. So they would. Uh... Rats don't want hot meals. No, no, no. But but that's he's referring to the 
to the torture to the uh their what he thought were their allies as rats oh oh okay yeah. i didn't get that and then they turn to the Viet Cong for a warm meal i get you yeah. oh okay so then all right because that gets confusing because then he explains the literal he's rats talking about literal rats yeah because yeah. then what he explains is yes they use them for torture in that they would take a prisoner of war and cut them open uh non-lethally but just enough that a rat could fit in there and then it would crawl around and eat them from the inside and just be all kinds of unpleasant um but how does he connect that to oh that's right and he implies that the rats here are the same ones or at least connected in some way that he's been dealing with these for the last 20 years and it's the same yeah and he's saying like oh i i put poison or what do they call it like field poison or something or something like that and they, they just drink it and piss it out or something like that yeah that they're like tougher yeah. or whatever. Um, and I guess like the, the, the long reaching thing is that because they have a king or a queen or whatever, it, there's no explanation no. for the rat bat monster no. thing. No. And there's this like cloud of mystery around the foreman that makes you think he's in on it and he's like feeding right. it or something. I thought that was kind of cool. But that like, never yeah. comes to pass because he's definitely surprised by it yeah. just as much as they are. Um, so the next death after that, uh, the foreman has, I mentioned he's a womanizing monster cause he has a history of throwing himself at his female coworkers, uh, specifically Nordello, uh, is one of the female, uh, employees there. And Nordello is told that she, uh, because he rebuked her advance, mm -hmm. uh, because she rebuked his advances, she's put on the cleanup crew, which is mm -hmm. that terrible basement thing, because now he hates her. Right. So she breaks his car to bits with an axe uh, in public, in full view of all the other employees, to which the foreman comes out and almost beats the crap out of her. He's mm -hmm. basically, like, about so to about hit to swing, her. Yeah. And then John shows up. John Hall grabs his wrist and says, mm -mm, stop this. Then the foreman realizes what he's doing, realizes how much he hates John mm -hmm. and uh, Jane, who's another uh, employee at the mill who gave John a ride home. The foreman saw didn't like that. Yeah, and he's clearly wants to get with uh, Jane. The oh, foreman. It's, yeah. So that's, the foreman wants to get with Jane. John wants to get with Jane. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to get with Jane. Yep. So unfortunately, Nordello is told to do the cleanup crew. Mm -hmm. She goes down, falls down the stairs extremely clumsily uh, because there are rats around her feet. Well, she, she does that. So she tries to sneak in back. She gets laid off and then she tries to sneak oh, in back. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, steal she, the file that like shows that he paid off the inspector. Yeah. Um, she, she implies during the beating that she's about to get that she knows too much right. and that she can't be fired. And the foreman says, screw you. You don't know anything. You're fired. That's right. So then she comes back trying to blackmail him to get the info that she knows. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> falls down the stairs. Rats most, make uh, her fall down the stairs. And this is the moment where, yeah, she's paralyzed. She can't get up. It looks like she's, you know, she might uh, suffocate like on her own blood or whatever and then the rat bat gets her and scoops her out which is kind of disappointing I was hoping for the slow like little rats yeah them. like little rats just they, eating her alive I also like that she, she bled from the fall and then like you see the rats coming to it so it's like oh they yeah exactly yeah, they, yeah that was impl have a taste for blood yeah that was showed early when um, the uh, the first character dies at the very beginning all the rats love eating the you know blood that he made and uh, the juice and things the next death I have on here is Cleveland. Who's Cleveland? 
Okay, well, anyway, let's try to walk this movie. Let's try to walk it back. Okay, so <laughs> now that I've gone through my memory, um, what happens after that is uh, the the foreman uh, tells John Hall that now he's going to be on the... Uh, oh, well, he gives him this, like, oh, you, you could be... Can earn some extra money. Yeah, like, oh, I like it's... the way you work, man. Yeah, he tries to yeah. sell him that. Yeah, not that I hate you and you're definitely going to die from this. It's, hey, you could make some extra money and you make sure to punctuate it with a big giant apple bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything he says is sinister. It sounds like. <laughs> and he also is like, oh, thank you for stopping me. I would have done something terrible. Yeah, 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 just lying through his teeth. And it looks like John can, like, tell, but he must really need the he money, I the guess. Money, yeah. That's such a, like,. Just a like plot thing that's like, well, well, why would he do this? Oh, he really needed the money. <laughs> um, so there was one other character that got introduced, Carmichael, um, another gentleman who happens to be black, uh, showed up and said, "Hey, I heard you were needing some work." And uh, you know, the foreman looks at him and he's like, "Oh yeah, you'd make a perfect sacrifice with his eyes, kind of thing." But yeah, every every word sinister it's yeah something about him but never they never uh that never gets uh played on like really um so anyway uh the team is uh, i th- okay so the bald guy that's on the team i thought it was the same dude who got suffocated and drowned yeah. i was so confused when this guy showed up are there two bald guys are there? I thought there was only just the one who got like dragged down by the. Uh... Okay, I'm not even gonna bother with that okay. one because I was so confused. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there's a bald guy, mm-hmm. Brogan, who is the big guy with the fire hose, who's screaming all the time. So this this fire hose is how they kill the rats. This is high pressure <laughs> like fire hose. It's like it looks like it would take like the skin off of yeah, you. It's, it's like, like a like real fire hose because yeah. like he uses it on a desk and it just obliterates the desk mm-hmm. when they open uh, when, when there are rats in it. Um, and then like Carmichael, the black guy is like, hey, man, you could have like, you know, killed me. And he starts spraying his feet like, ha ha ha. Dude, he could like take his feet oh, yeah, off. Yeah. I thought like that was so. Yeah. And John Hall comes over. And he's like, hey, cut that out. Um, and then they they've apparently like magically cleared out enough space that they find a, a hatch like a trap door they call it well actually before that i think mm. is when um the bald guy i don't remember his name i don't remember either he's like hey let's just he has this weird speech of like hey i just want to get this money and get out of here sort of thing let's not that's right that's right um bordello or bordello brogan and carmichael you know are having their little uh they sprayed each other john comes over and tells brogan hey you don't want to do that and it like it looks like it's over like it's not escalating any further but the bald guy comes between them is like hey guys cool it i just want to get some money and he like he's the one that escalates it and then and the foreman shows up again right. out of nowhere. He always just like appears, mm-hmm. and um, he's like, um, "Ooh, that trap door looks pretty interesting." Well, first, like, oh, he's like, "We we didn't get paid to exterminate the rats. We just here to clean." And then the foreman's like, "Oh, is that how you, everybody feels, or just you? Uh, just me? All right." Get out of here. That's right. He sends him uh, sends him out. Him, it's like everyone who doesn't go down in the cellar gets to go home early. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> they get to live. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no money. Yeah. So Carmichael, Brogan, the foreman, and Jane all go down uh, into the cellar. Oh, and one more, Jason. Oh, it's Brogan who gets pulled down by the... Uh... 
He's the one that falls into the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's the one who drowns. So they climb down. Um, they have like little lanterns and stuff. And if you can believe it, it's actually wetter down here. Mm-hmm. All of the wood is like falling apart. Uh, pretty realistically, like the mm-hmm. stairs yeah, are. It's, it's really well done. It's 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 cool, and it really feels like like God. You can't really step anywhere safely. Yeah. Um, cause there appears to be like a further drop there mm-hmm. and there is, cause what happens is Brogan falls through the floor into water. That's already like bright red. They got scared by something. He tried running up the stairs and they fell apart. So now there's no way to get back out, but he fell even further through the floor into this pool. That's already red with, I assume the blood of, you know, millions of rats and people and things. And uh, he gets eaten or pulled under by something. We can't really tell, but something down there is swimming around. Uh, and the foreman bolts and, uh, John, you know, tries to help in any way he can. He's more, they're like two stories up or something. They uh, can't. It seems like the foreman kind of tries to go around it. Maybe find a, another way. Is that it? I okay. So. Well, his friend Jason comes with him and accuses him. It's like, you let him yeah, die. Right, um, right. and Carmichael's with him too. So they, uh, so Jane and John are together. Carmichael, Jason, and the foreman are together, mm-hmm. and they try going up this slope where they find a little hole. Mm-hmm. Carmichael, for no reason, reaches his arm through because he. Be- oh, that's well, right. He, he thinks he hears there's like a river. Or yeah, something. he's like, oh, the river's through here. I think we can break through. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he reaches his arm through, and ah, my arm! Yeah. Of course, um, the other two leave. They don't help him. His arm is like. A chunk. It's so funny. He's like swinging it around, and you can see some of the chunks of flesh like fly on the other actors, and they're like, ah. Um, and then he get the rest of him gets eaten once again by an unseen. We already like kind of know what it is at this point, even yeah. though we still haven't gotten a full. We haven't seen his face. But no, we, no. Kinda... But we've seen like a really cool like blink. Saw, yeah, that was a really cool yeah. shot. Um, and like we've seen its two like bat claws on a couple of things. Um, so yeah. So now uh, that's Carmichael's dead. Uh, Jason and the foreman are left, and Jason is in shock. He's absolutely panicking, and he, after falling through one more thing, goes, no, no more, no more, and he's screaming. He's like, I'm not going, I can't do it anymore, and the foreman's like, all right, stay here. And the uh, foreman goes running off to find some the weapons. The foreman kind of goes a little bit crazy, too. He's like, it's John who did this. You need oh, to, that's right. to kill him or something like that. Because he finds uh, some uh, wine or some alcohol mm-hmm. or something down there. And, yeah, this is, like, if you weren't sure he was crazy yet, this mm-hmm. is the moment where he rubs the, like, Charcoal, residue think, yeah. off of the bottles onto his face. And then says, yeah, yeah, we're going to go back there and we got to kill John. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Forget <laughs> John. you got to kill whatever monster was back there. And he's like, no, i got to kill John. And he's got a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's full crazy. John and Jane are trying to find their way out. Um, they end up sharing a kiss for no reason once they fall through a wall or whatever. And she's pretty hurt. And the foreman falls through another pit into a giant mountain of bones. And bones are hard. Mm-hmm. Bones are sharp. Like, this is my skull. It's not easy to crack. Mm-hmm. And so I thought he was just dead when he fell into all those bones. Like, oh, he was probably just, like, stabbed by some jagged things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so do Jane and John when they find him. He, like, reaches out, and they're like, oh, my God, he's in really bad shape. He's yeah. got a big help him. cut on his head. We should help him. But surprise, he's fully aware and takes out his knife and is trying to kill Jane at first, John stops him, uh, and they're beating the crap out of each other. It's it's honestly a pretty good fight where some of them are using like jaw bones to hit the other dude. Uh, one point he has like a uh, the foreman has a rotted skull and smashes it on John's head, which I think like like my skull is hard. Having another skull break on my skull, uh, 
can't feel good. Um, but then I never expected this to happen. Jane shows up and smashes the foreman on the back of the head, which I did expect. Mm-hmm. But then in the struggle, the foreman turns around and stabs Jane. Mm-hmm. To death, yep. she dies, right. and the foreman gets away. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he hobbles away to another location, but yeah, Jane dies, mm-hmm. and John mourns her for a moment. I don't know. What do you think of that? I it was kind of unexpected because I thought you know they were both gonna live and then fight the, the monsters. So I was like, okay, yeah, I I expected. I expected the final shot to be you know like a crane pulling away of them arm in arm and the you know mill on fire or something right. like that. But no, yep. John John is the only one because uh, Warwick the uh, foreman you know hobbles away and things, uh, but eventually runs into the rat bat and we see it in its full glory. Uh, I was really hoping we would see its full wingspan, and that's when it occurred to me: Why is a bat in these? Mi- why is a bat this big in the mines? What is the point of it being a bat? It doesn't drink anyone's blood. It doesn't use the wings. <laughs> it doesn't use the it wings. Could be a rat. It could just be a rat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, he he gets his last like big hurrah moment for no one. He was a villain. Why does he get a hurrah? Well, I like that he's like. We're both going to hell or something Together, like that. yeah. yeah. So he, like he knows he's a bad guy. Yeah. Kinda and then like he's that. so stupid, he stabs it in the wing yeah. and does nothing. Goes straight through and he dies. Um, so the last one, so everyone's dead except for John. And John manages to crawl his way back to the very same room that we started in with the big giant. Yeah, apparently it was just to the right. <laughs> it was just right there. Yeah, those big teeth measure. I don't, oh my God, don't get me started on like the geography of this movie where one thing is supposed to be. God, because it looks like it would take... I can't figure out the land. I tried to, like, what's going on here? No, and, like, the fact that they all fall into it makes me think there is no way humans get back up. up. It must be, like, wet, or it's, you know, tiny crevices and things like that, but he, he makes it out. And then he's holding his gut, and he just, like, he looks exhausted, because what he does is he climbs an elevator shaft with, like, the, the hose from they had earlier, and that uh, when he gets to the top, he looks exhausted, and he's, like, falling on the cotton Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh the rats are like pooling around him and once again i was thinking like oh he's too exhausted to swat the rats away this is gonna be like a real thing but then he gets up because the rat bat bursts its head through the wall apparently now it doesn't care about being below or anything now it just wants to get him and uh its tail falls into the teeth measure thing and that's when uh, John remembers his skill yeah. of being able to launch Diet Pepsi cans. At... He looks at the, the button, he's like, oh, and then he sees the can of uh, Pepsi. He's like, wait a he minute. He puts two and two <laughs> together. It's like Chekhov's skill. So he he misses a couple of times, which we've never seen before. No. And then on the last one, it's all, it's all slow-mo, and they like remove some frames, and it looks really weird. And the rat, like, all oh, the tail almost gets out, but then it turns on, and sure enough, over what I want to say is a full 60 seconds of screaming, yeah. like, just intense. I, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's still happening, of the giant rat bat just getting ground by this uh, mesher thing. Um, and like cotton extractor. The, yeah, 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 that's it. And it extracts all the blood and guts from the rat bat. And then all its little, you know, children, all its little rats are eating it gleefully. And then it fades to uh, the sign for Bachman Mills under new management. Mm-hmm. And then it just fades out from that yep. to black to the credits. Um, <laughs> and then the credits. The credits are amazing. <laughs> the credits have this have this like theme song for the movie (laughs) but it's like 
all the words are just dialogue lifted from the movie. (laughs) It's so weird. I want to see if I could like get (laughs) if I can get some of it to to come out of this. Um, Yeah, because like we were mentioning, it has the same like like vague African rhythm of uh, that song um, by Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. It's like a. Let's see if I can get it loud enough. It makes me think it's like a sequence out of the Jungle Book or something, like like the orangutans are gonna do. Uh, So yeah, that's the movie Graveyard Shift. Uh, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift. Even though Stephen King's Graveyard Shift in book form doesn't exist, it's Richard Bachman's Stephen King, Mm -hmm. uh, or (laughs) it's Richard Bachman's Graveyard Shift. And uh, it was a short story. It wasn't even a full... Yeah, I'm always amazed by uh, Hollywood's ability to take a very, very short story and expand it into an hour and a half without filling in any necessary things like why it's a bat mm-hmm. and why the foreman is so <laughs> mysterious about it. I don't know. What were you like... So after the recap, uh, I like to go through and, as you know, talk about, you know, some of the themes and things that happened in this movie that, you know, beyond just plot uh, made it enjoyable or not enjoyable. So what did you get out of it? Yeah, I was really looking for... You wrote some things down. (laughs) I wrote some things down. Um, Yeah, I was really looking for like a theme or something like like some sort of moral or something like that, but I couldn't really get any of that here. Yeah. Um, I, I was guess, trying to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I guess it's be nice to your coworker or yeah. your employees, but not even. Not I mean, even. Yeah. Um, hmm. Don't don't mess with with rats. I guess. Is that like kind of? respect nature. Maybe because there wasn't even like a oh we moved in on their territory like mm-hmm. kind of line. It's no. this isn't like a consequence for anyone's like hubris. No. Is it like because the one guy was killing rats? Maybe. I mean. And so everyone's being punished? There's also like a scene where like they specifically asked that exterminator to flood the place. Yeah. And so we, that's how it got wet. He was just flooding it for... Oh, okay. And that pissed off... But there I were don't... like millions of bones oh, down yeah, there. No, this was happening for a while before. This, yeah. This even happened. So like... I feel like one line about there being like, oh yeah, we, we struck ground and there was, you know, some issues from the natives or, I don't know, just like anything, I don't know. Oh, there's also a graveyard right there. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> when he tells Brad Dourif, the exterminator, he's like, you ever been to a gra- an actual graveyard? And there's, just, I, I remember I turned to my boyfriend and I said, where is he? When, <laughs> when did he get to an actual graveyard next door to the mill? Is that a thing? Maybe that's a thing that it's like, oh, people died in the mill being chewed up, you know, like in the machinery and stuff that they just had a graveyard nearby. Is that an industrial revolution thing? Uh, maybe. Because there were definitely some moving parts that I was like, oh, my God, he's like right there. Loose fitting clothes. He's dead. Yeah. It was also like uh, it seems like the, the foreman knew that, oh, I'm going to send him to the graveyard and then he'll die. Yeah, he knew <laughs> that he could. 
And the way, the way he, he died know. was weird because like a oh, grave it was great. fell on him. Yeah, right? I forgot about that. So the exterminator, he goes to a graveyard because the foreman knows he would die there. Mm-hmm. And the, his dog, which uh, his dog's name is Mac Moxie. Mm-hmm. It's a rat terrier. Ah. <laughs> um, so when his rat terrier Moxie goes into like this mausoleum or is it it's just like a hole? I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, so he goes into catacomb, a mausoleum. Yeah, catacomb, whatever. And he ends up getting behind this big giant... Uh, uh, like casket, stone mm-hmm. casket, and yeah, it's great because it's like, oops, the floor is shifting. Oh no, I'm safe. And then it's like, oops, it shifted again. Oh no, I'm it's safe. Like, oh, like his head crushed. And then, like and it then falls. I, oops, sorry. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, it crushed his head, but it's no, he's still alive. He's still mm-hmm. alive, and it, god damn it, and it just grinds him down the wall because it was like mud, and it, like yeah, it didn't exactly. God, that's what I mean, man. It's like less is more. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Um. Let's see. I already, I already mentioned the Rat Terrier. I already mentioned the Bachman Mills. Uh, I already mentioned the Nail Slam. <laughs> and that uh, puddle of rat pee. That uh, He names that rat Doris in the beginning. And uh, it leaves a puddle of pee like twice its size. Oh, Doris. And he cleans it up with the same hand that he hit with the nails. He's got an open wound and he's yeah. cleaning the rat pee with yeah, it. I mean, I guess it's sterile. I was thinking about that the entire time. It but, doesn't matter. He doesn't yeah. last much longer yeah. after that. But, God, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. what, themes? The no, uh, theme of, like... So I, I tried to, to date it. I tried to, like, say, when did this take place? And a couple of things kind of... The, the clearest sign was the Vietnam uh, War. And uh, the exterminator was about 40. Okay. So if you go back... You know, it does take place around 1990. Okay, so, so it's it supposed to be like present day yeah, for when the movie of, is. Somewhere around there, yeah. So I wonder if that mill's still there in Maine, or if textile mills are a thing. I think they're, yeah, they're shutting down all over the country, or the ones that, the few ones that do exist. Are I'm sure there are done. people right now screaming at their podcast that they know everything about <laughs> textiles, and how Please. can we be so stupid? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. And if if that's you, please tweet at us. I want to learn all about this world. Um, God, let's see. There's, I, I I didn't write anything down because, yeah, theme of just being nice to, yeah, it's like uh, no morals. I I couldn't really take any morals out of it. And typically, there's like you know, it's man versus nature, man versus man, man versus society, man versus self, man versus machine. This. Mm you could say is man versus man in that it's the foreman, you know, it's John fighting an insane person's ego in the foreman. Um, but it's also man versus nature and that the rat bat, like, you know, lives there and owns the place and they're abusing the rats and that makes it mad man versus machine. No, not really man versus self. Uh, maybe the foreman has some internal monologues that we don't get man versus society. Nothing. I mean, they're they're kind of remote. Like maybe these are outcasts. They in seem some kind way. of backwater too. Like I don't mean to. Uh, I mean this is just my interpretation of the characters in the movie. I don't know what textile mills education you know rates are like, but uh, they seem dumb. They all seem pretty dumb as rocks and ignorant and the worst kind of stupid. Because I don't care if one is stupid. I care if they're the kind of stupid that just makes them shout at people at a fucking diner. Mm -hmm. When we're just by ourselves, enjoying ourselves, some dude comes over to look at the job board, and I just can't help myself from calling them all kinds of 
epithets and questioning their heterosexuality and right. things right up until they leave saying goodbye girl scout that anyway in the movie. that's literally what yeah. they do and then as soon as he's gone they're like well i guess that didn't work anyway you got to see this this cow i saw it was enormous and it's just like oh my god there really are just toxic people like that mm-hmm. um and you can see that moment where john realizes oh crap this is the same place that those idiots work at mm-hmm. um yeah uh and he tries to leave but then it's too late um, and it was like a lot of sexual harassment. I thought that would be like a theme or something like that, but nothing really no, came it's out of it. Basically, just the foreman. No, yeah. the everyone's doing it. Everyone's right. kind of like sexually harassing women everywhere they go. Yeah. And the the the, the three women that uh, work there is the assistant um, and uh, Nordello and Jane. I don't think there's any others. It's just uh, the three of them. There's also like the waitress. Yeah, there's the waitress that works at the diner that they all work at that gets grabbed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's so funny. Things like that jump out to me now. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just like, oh, local color. It's, what a terrible person. What mm-hmm. a terrible place. Right. I think that's that's important. I don't want to go back to that being normal. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want that to be just local color unless it's to color how terrible this place is, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe that's it because he is an outsider drifter. Yeah, and he seems like the only moral one. Of the... Yeah. Well, maybe not the only, but... And maybe maybe that's just a result of it being from a short story that he never really gets fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a hard time rooting for him because yeah. I don't know anything don't about know anything. him other than that he does what I would do, mm-hmm. which is the good thing. Yeah. Um, or he just does his job. Right. Yeah. So he's not an asshole. So that's kind of what you're rooting for. Him. No, it's funny. The more I think about this, why did I like this movie? Yeah. It doesn't have a lot going for it. it I mean, visually, it's, it's I nice. guess, and like plot-wise, it's simple and easy mm-hmm. to follow, yeah. and and it's got those yeah, it's got those mini feminist elements of it that I can go like, oh, yeah. but it doesn't like it doesn't use that as a it doesn't plot use device what does it use? Yeah, <laughs> it just uses it just uses these popsicle stick characters to meander around until it's time for them to die. Mm-hmm. Like nothing progresses. Right, the characters there's, there's don't no develop. Goal? Yeah. No, it's just it's just the foreman putting people he doesn't like into situations where they'll die. The movie. Mm-hmm. And until until he dies. Yeah. And then under new management, is that did John stay? I don't know. That that ending thing uh, doesn't mean anything yeah, to me. I think it's just like a joke. Like, <laughs> oh, Things are different now. Because this movie's so funny. Yeah. That's another thing is like there's just there's not as much humor. Like I say that like horror movies have a lot of humor uh, typically in the first act to soften up their audience. Yeah. But the first just like a bit, but not really. And, and it was just like they eliminate any mystery in the beginning mm-hmm. when the guy dies. Yeah. And it's it's like we know it's not another person. I thought it would have been really nice if it was like a question for a while, if Warwick was the guy who pushed yeah, him yeah. in. And I think that, that kind of was supposed to be part of it, but we clearly see in the beginning that's, that it's not him. Cause he goes, I know it's you Warwick turns around and then there's a flash of, yeah, goo. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. Like, I get that it's really wet down there, but this is the thing for just like all movie monsters. Why are movie monsters constantly oozing yep. and dripping like thick? globs of mm-hmm. goo like they're always wet always. they're always drippy wet is it because mm-hmm. just like on film it doesn't look as like the plastic doesn't look as maybe, good yeah, unless maybe. it's shimmering and glistening with goo maybe like it, you could see it more plasticky if, if it's not there and then you, you're not focused on the 
the costume or something? That's all. The, that's what I believe because it's a thing that I'm so annoyed with all the time. It makes sense for creatures like the thing, where they're like a biological, you know, entity that's brand new, like a newborn baby. It's gooey, but a rat bat it's like drooling from its ears there's so much drool mm. <laughs> yeah it's, it's ridiculous and it's not even like the kind of like watery like alien scary drool it's just these long nonsensical globs mm -hmm. yeah oh there, there actually was a bit of a uh, humor or i don't know if i'd go that yeah it was humor and now that i remember there is some animal cruelty is uh they start playing the beach boys let's go <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I laughed at that, yeah, because yeah, it shows the rats on like little surfing. pieces of wood, yeah. <laughs> like surfing. But then it's you know it's subverted to show that they're just torturing them. Right, they're, they're torturing these rats. And yeah. so that's not harm. Those rats weren't harmed in the making of this movie. They, I like, thought I was seeing animals being harmed. Yeah, it maybe really, maybe like maybe like they they put the rats on these things and gently floated them. Maybe into. they're special swimming rats, yeah. like for, like I mean, rats like, can swim. Yeah, 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 but it's like on a movie when you need animals, like you have to go through like the proper channels of like, yeah, we are in a we are an animal handler and this is what this animal yeah. can do. It's perfectly this we can't safe do. For yeah, exactly. Um and so a lot of the a lot, that's something I want to bring attention to is the rats in this movie were actually really oh, well behaved yeah. Yeah, and yeah. actually like carried some mm -hmm. emotional relevance and like depth yeah. for me um you know anytime they would show like the there were like you know three or four rats just kind of looking down mm -hmm. i never felt maybe it's you know the director but i never really felt like oh it's just you know here's some b-roll of rats it's like no those rats are mm -hmm. acting and yeah. they are in this scene yeah, they're, they're really like well trained except for like one of them who always seemed nice like <laughs> <laughs> the other ones seem menacing yeah yeah um there's that uh when they're surfing when they're playing uh beach boys uh there's like four or five rats on one piece of wood and they all capsized together. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. I thought it was cute, but then I was like, oh, those poor rats. Yeah. I hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was the only piece of humor. I wonder how much they cost to, to get that. Oh my God. Uh, so on, yeah, the rat budget for this movie. I wonder what <laughs> it was. The rat budget and the, the Beach Boys song budget. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to the rating here. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, no, I think... Uh... That's about it. Okay. Well, here on The Gory Days, we like to rate the movies that we watch on a scale... Oh! oh one more thing. The, the other... So I was trying to, to date this movie, and so the, the Vietnam reference was the, the closest, but there was also a mention of the Manson family. And, and, That's right. Yeah. What year would that have been? Like, oh, popular? Uh, I mean... Well after by well, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah the, the I'm trying to think, like... That. I bet you could tell by their cars. I don't really know cars, I but I bet know. you could tell by that, too. But they could also have been... Just, vintage yeah yeah maybe some like 70s coupe that, or something it seems like the the foreman's car was like that definitely the yeah. one that gets obliterated right, yeah, yeah yeah um yeah he loved that car too so it's probably yeah a classic or something right but yeah so i guess 1990s but i would have liked to to have seen something more definitive yeah i would have liked to have seen any kind of progression for any one of these characters mm -hmm. but you can't progress a drifter when we don't know where he's starting yeah. we yeah I, we literally don't know anything about any of these characters except that Jane is from Castle Rock. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, uh, that's that's. We kind of like her because she's decent. Because she's the yeah, uh, played by <clears throat> um, Jane, played by Kelly Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, on the gory days, we like to rate the movies that we see on a rating of one to five thumbs. One being the worst, five being the best. What do you think of this movie? Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, 
I really liked a lot of the lighting. I thought there's some good camera shots in there, uh, but it's still a one. <laughs> like I, I really didn't like any of the plot. I thought it was kind of simple, and it didn't didn't go anywhere. And that's something I really care about. So, I'm sorry, but I'm going with a one thumb for Graveyard Shift. And who does that thumb belong to? We like to gift our thumbs right. to characters from the movies. Hmm. Who who does it? I think it was the uh, Maxi, the, the Terrier. Oh, Moxie, Maxi, the Rat Terrier? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, <sighs> graveyard Shift. Uh, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift from 1990. It, it's, it looks great, like, uh, to Mike's point. It, it, a lot of the time, the quality of the movie can turn me off right from the beginning. Um, and maybe it's just because it was in the nineties and that's, you know, when I grew up. And so that kind of film, uh, grain or, yeah. uh, I respond to, and it's still yeah, normal yeah, for me. Really nice, yeah. yeah. So it looks amazing. And yeah, the actors in it are all pretty great. Even, uh, the foreman, um, it's just, they don't have anything to do mm-hmm. and they don't have anywhere to go or grow. Um, even the rat bat doesn't get like, it's no. like proper explanation or mm-hmm. even it's like time in the spotlight and the, like, we don't, we just don't get enough. There are so many just open threads. It makes me think that this was like, who is this? This movie is for people who like horror movies, but I think it's also for people who read the book or the short story. story. Maybe the short story expands on a lot of the just like set pieces that we see. Hmm. Um, The fact that this is like, you know, a mine shaft that goes down, you know, four floors or whatever into the ground. Um, Yeah. There's just too many questions. Hmm. And usually like if a movie can set up enough, actual movie mm-hmm. then the questions are you know bonus it's like ooh, well i wonder you know what they what they meant yeah. with that or you know loose threads aren't necessarily a bad thing right as but this is like some mystery but there's this is all mystery right. this is loose thread the movie and yeah so with that in mind unfortunately i'm not going to give it a one mm-hmm. because i i haven't seen a worse movie this oh, week I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um so I, i'll give it two yeah. and that's a reluctant two because it's like it's so bizarre. It's it, it almost fooled me. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it, it looks like a good movie great, yeah. and it feels like a good movie. Yeah. But when you think about it, nothing happened, <laughs> and it was a waste of my yeah, time. We just saw a bunch of people get killed by a bat, and then the bat died. <laughs> and then the bat died. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then so um, yeah, I give it two thumbs, and uh, I'm gonna give those thumbs to uh, Doris, the the <laughs> rat from the beginning, rat, yeah. who's not a woman, who's far from a woman, <laughs> unclassy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So thanks for listening, everybody, to The Gory Days. Uh, We'll be here every week, Tuesday, or no, what is it, Wednesdays? I don't know, someday during the middle of the week. Uh, Tune in next time. We'll be talking about a brand new movie. I don't know what it is yet, but if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, at The Gory Days, you can find out. And be sure to let us know what you think of this week's, last week's, and future episodes so that you can get your tweets and comments read on the podcast. Any final thoughts, Mike? Uh, No, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. See you next time. Stay scary out there. If you want your thoughts on each week's movies heard on the podcast, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Gory Days. And look for more episodes each and every week on the Apple Podcast app. See you next time. The Gory Days.